0: Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 171. I'm Killian Vinea,
1: And I'm Zoe Bilil-Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by CEO and co-owner of Foresight Factory, Maeve Corin, to discuss how she expects customers of the hair and beauty industry to behave over the next while, as well as share some data-driven recommendations based on those insights.
2: We do see you know, a little bit of a boost in certain needs that we think, for the foreseeable future, are going to be with us. In our top three needs worldwide for consumers, you know, people want to be successful, um, but they also want to be knowledgeable. That's not new. But if you add that to this new environment of we've absolutely got to be resilient and you add that to our fears about being safe and being healthy, you know, you've got a brilliant, brilliant mix of things that I think salons can use to really connect with consumers.
0: Forsyth Factory is in the business of conscious consumer trend and data analytics. Essentially what they do is they take data, trends and the voice of the customer, they put it all together and help to create predictive behaviour. For example, all we know at the moment is that there's a reopening rush, a bit of a slowdown after the first batch of catch up fix up appointments. Foresight Factory on the other hand are able to actually share insights on what's likely to happen in salons and spas this summer, in 2021 and further down the line.
1: Maeve is the CEO and co-owner of Foresight Factory. She's a bilingual and experienced public speaker. She's a key voice on consumer trends and analytics and was also named a top voice on the LinkedIn Influencer Network in 2016 and 2017. She specializes in helping businesses profit by better understanding consumers. It's a pleasure to have her join us today off the back of a great presentation at our summer gathering in Forest, actually. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed your session. And I think our audience here today is going to be able to benefit fit from that as well. So Maeve, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you for your time. Really excited about this conversation.
2: Thank you for having me. Delighted to be with you again.
1: Well, look, Maeve, it's clear we're in an ever-changing
0: environment at the moment. We're being fed information from left, right and center, and I think more information than ever before. Um, So that paired with trying to keep on top of the next big trend, which is kind of touching off what we're, I suppose, as opposed to predicting trends, it's more habits and behaviours. But um, all of this information anyway, and at the speed it comes, it can f- make us feel kind of overwhelmed, feel like we're barely keeping afloat. Just look at 2020 as an example, it's been one hell of a year already. There's been a lot happening in all parts of the world. So what themes do you think will live on past the media news cycle? and into at least 21 and 22? And how do you think they'll impact the hair and beauty industry?
2: So, uh, thinking about your question, um, I, I wanted to break it down into two parts, and then you added a little you know, curveball at the end. So a lot to think about there. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think about it in a couple of different ways, actually. there's, um, I was looking at this yesterday, in fact, in our latest data patterns. We have about 20 years' worth of data on consumer needs, consumer aspirations. And actually, it's really interesting, because if you look at the long arc of change uh, on those things, they remain so relatively um, stable. So while you have this huge volatility in the macroeconomic, macro-socio circumstances, actually underneath it, consumers can be quite consistent in their needs and, and, and what they want to get out of life. So I think we can be reassured that there are, uh, you know, steadying guardrails, if you like, that we can that we can follow, um, and you know, people's fundamental needs um, don't go crazy. You know, it's not because of COVID that we suddenly need safety. We've always needed safety. We always need to belong. We always need to keep up with uh, everyone else. We always need fun and excitement, and it's just that the nature of how we might want to express those things could alter from one um, uh, month to another or even sometimes one week to another. And of course, you know, consumers will react to the news cycle too. Um, You know, in that world, I suppose, is sticking with, you know, needs for a minute. There has been a little bit of an uptick in in some interesting areas of needs that I think uh, when we, we, I sort of did actually talk about them in the presentation we can come back to them in a second uh, too. But, you know things like um, emphasis on community living. Mm-hmm. You know we've heard a lot of talk about that being emphasized as a result of the crisis. Um, I've talked a lot to different clients about how you know we want everything just as we wanted it before, but you know with this local allure, uh, trend front of mind where if we can get it even closer to home, you know, we're, we're going to privilege that. We want to, sm- to support more than ever local businesses, smaller businesses, independent businesses. All of that is absolutely real. Mm-hmm. But actually, we've always needed, you know, community. Um, you know, we are social animals. Uh, and you know, it's just the the nature of the decisions that we'll make about how to practically procure things in our community, has maybe got a bit of a boost. So you know, I that that that's definitely had renewed emphasis, I would say. Um, and there's definitely a, a little bit of a surge again, not necessarily relative to the long term, all that dramatic, but in you know, in the last couple of years, there's definitely a tick upwards in things like nature and being close to nature and you know, connection to things that feel Um, real and natural and authentic to people. And I think that cuts across all aspects of well-being, if I'm honest. You know, it's everything from managing our stress levels through to the fact that, um, you know, the world is much more informed about um, pollution and things that could create a uh, long-term stressful effect on us. I even think that it kind of comes about circle. If you look at the food industry, you've got trends around veganism and vegetarianism which you know the number of vegans and vegetarians isn't going up or certainly not that much but you have a huge surge in the number of what we call flexitarians people who will spend more more time thinking about okay well i'm not going to have meat today i'm going to you know make a healthy more alternative choice and actually that gives rise to two things in the natural environment lots more you know uh cooking from scratch and eating food that is um you know homegrown and so on um, and obviously, by necessity, more vegetables. Um, but it also gives rise to, you know, a lot of lab grown plant based options as well. Synthetic yeah. foods, in fact. So, you know, it's it's funny how these things, um, you know, end up uh, in terms of how we practically consume them. But, yeah, we do, we do see you know, a little bit of a boost in certain needs that we think for the foreseeable future, are going to be with us. And I say that because actually when you look at um, trends and the cycle of trends, they do bob around a little bit. Um, and that is because what tends to happen is you get a conflation of um, things coming together that just either improve the supply side of you know what you can get your hands on, for instance, plant-based, uh, lab-grown, uh, useful alternatives to steak or because actually the pressures or the needs are coming from so many different places that we just consume something more consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, the trends that we talked about before uh, that I see really sticking around, you know, we're talking about healthy habitats quite a lot. Uh, to me, that's massive. Um, you know, you don't go into a salon today, coming on to your final bit of the question, Killian, about, you know, what does it mean for health and beauty? You know, I think there, there are certain appointments that will be for convenience Um, or for skills that you just don't have. But increasingly, even if it's that, you're ticking another box around um, a moment of de-stress, a moment of calm, a moment of privilege for yourself, a moment of sanctuary, if you like. And I think when you do that, you want to walk into an environment that instantly makes you feel healthy, better, like you're being proactive, like you're looking after yourself. And that has obvious references to some of the things we've just been talking about, like, visible nature or uh, calming music or um, uh, the products themselves being seemingly more healthy or natural or whatever it may be.
1: I was going to say, yeah, because there's a huge rise in even vegan products and and CBD infused health and beauty products as well.
2: Totally. Um, I mean, vegan is just about everywhere. And yeah, absolutely. Health and beauty industry has seen um, a lot of that. And I think um, it's a really good commercial shout, actually, because for the, you know, I think 6% of the global population is vegan, but you're going to have far, far greater numbers than that consuming vegan beauty products, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, worried about even things like animal welfare um, and pollution and non-related, non-vegan issues. But that all sort of congregates in the consumer's mind to want to make that better for the world choice, if you like, because they'll see it as better for them. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's real. I think that's absolutely uh, uh, here to stay. One of the other things that I think has come out from the crisis that and any trend that connects to it is here to stay is this theme of resilience. Yeah. You know, there's a feeling that you're on your own. Uh, and, you know, it depends on where you live. <laughs> uh, and I won't make any political points on their broadcast today. You never know who you could offend. And I'm really good at offending people inadvertently. So <laughs> let's just stay in safe territory here. But, you know, obviously from one political administration to another, the, the the crisis has been handled very differently. And no matter how much support has been put in place by the state, there is still an awful lot of emphasis on you figuring out what to do for your own health, your own finances, um, you know, the system is often creaking at the seams, even when there's a will to, you know, step in and, and support uh, people at a very local level. Often the provision just simply isn't there. You know, just take the challenge of PPE, for instance, as, as one that is a real problem for governments worldwide, irrespective of, you know, their their attitude to supporting consumers. So, you know, that's an issue. Um, And we have a trend that sits alongside that called the naked citizen. And of course, you know, your listeners are probably thinking, you know, naked consumers in their salons know that it really refers much more to the idea that, you know, you have to be Mm -hmm. self-sufficient and you have to take a proactive attitude to life now. And I do think that this really relates back to health and beauty, because one, you know, proactively looking uh, after your own health and uh, well-being is a reason to go into salon. And, you know, that's front of mind but also um, understanding why you're doing it and what you're doing and the consequences that that's going to have also I think links on to other opportunities so we talked about things like uh, solutions in mindfulness um, advice to your health and beauty routine um, how certain products can make you feel um, and and help you manage your stress levels um, and just understanding the health and beauty in the larger context of health and wellness um, and and proactive looking after yourself for the long run is really great. So, you know, apart from what you actually do with consumers in salon, all the knock-on knowledge and support around informing customers, educating customers uh, before, during, after treatments, all of that I think is, is critical and actually I'll shut up in a second, but my last point on this is in our top three needs worldwide for consumers, you know, people want to be successful, um, but they also want to be knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. You know, knowledge and the acquisition of knowledge is incredibly important. That's not new. But if you add that to this new environment of we've absolutely got to be resilient and you add that to our fears about being safe and being healthy, You know, you've got a brilliant, brilliant mix of things that I think salons can use to really connect with consumers.
1: How do you know about which one to, I guess, tackle first if you want to change something up in your salon? Are you looking at how do you define which is going to last longer or have a better, longer lasting impact on your business? Like, say, on your bottom line, if you change uh, the way that, you know, what kind of products you have in your salon or something like that?
2: So I could attempt a statistical response to that uh, question, but that's a million dollar question, Zoe. <laughs> and uh, I am sorry, but I'm not going to do that in a podcast. I'm joking. But, you know that'll, that'll depend in all honesty on individual businesses and the way they've set up and their purpose and so on. Mm-hmm. And you know, it is the sort of thing that, all joking aside, we actually do model. Um, but let's try and have a slightly more practical answer for the purposes of today. I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Um, one is, you know, probably everybody knows about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I think the first thing you can look at is are you know what are you fulfilling in terms of fundamental needs? you know, and you've got to have really basic things like uh, health and safety down at the bottom of the pyramid. It's not quite you know feeding yourself, but it's not too far up the level of sophistication. So given that people are so worried about that, you know obviously ramping up for you're safe when you come into us or when we go to you if people are doing in-home servicing or even providing remote advice for treatments that people might carry out themselves you know that'll be the first sort of uh make sure you've got that covered uh and you know i'm stating the obvious but in all honesty it will be not even probably at the always the conscious level of the consumer it's so fundamental to survival that you know do that first, invest in that first. You won't You won't have a bottom line if you don't look after that. Um, and I think, you know, we're looking at spikes, we're looking at waves, we're looking at peaks. You know, this isn't going anywhere quickly. So, you know, the next 18 months are going to definitely need to keep on putting that front and centre, even if it evolves slightly. I think then, you know, as you move up the ladder, you get to the top of the pyramid, which is self actualization That's your knowledge bit. That's the... Do I understand? You know why uh, this, you know, Indian head massage is really uh, informing my, you know, long-term health plan, or helping me really drive energy, or helping me concentrate a little bit more, um, you know, linking that back to different mood states, different energy levels, different, you know, things like that. That's right at the top, and not everybody needs that all of the time. And I think for that sort of thing, where it's more sophisticated, your solution is really to look at your consumer groups coming in. You know, does your salon mostly service people of a certain age, or a certain uh, socio-demographic profile, or it, you know, is it broader than that? If you're looking at um, younger consumer, for instance, they may well want that, but they'll also want the latest look that you know helps them you know promote themselves. Let's face it, in a more visual set of circumstances, which one of those two things will win? Probably the self-promotion. Um, But it's not like they're going to make an either or decision about that. They'll want to look good and they'll want to feel good as well. So if you can deliver both, great. So I think there's a segmented view of that and you can, you know, have a a look at what your own individual customer profile looks like against some of those uh, needs. Um, But broadly speaking, you know, I'm not sure that any salon needs to think too much about And or, I I would say where possible, do and. So if you can think about things cleverly around not trying to do everything all the time, but actually maybe just having a coherent product line that ticks a couple of boxes, ticks the healthy box, ticks the uh, mental wellness box, uh, ticks the good grooming box. Um, And you go down a certain suite of products or a less less broad, but coherent set of um, treatments, for instance. I I think that works better than trying to be everything to everybody. And, you know, healthy habitats, if we take that trend, none of these things uh, I say it's not an or proposition because none of these things need to be that expensive. You know, yes, you can do it. At the level of I'm going to redesign my entire salon experience to have, you know, it feng shui to the nth degree, and you know we'll have plants swinging from every basin. You don't have to do it like that. You know, you can literally bring in a little bit of nature, have some infusers in uh, in the room, think about your music choices, equip some clients that are sitting there on longer treatment for if it's a hair appointment for the sake of argument with some headphones and some recommendations. None of that's going to cost big money. And it's an option. And you'll soon see whether clients want it or whether actually they can't be bothered or whether it's for a certain set of really specific customers that come in that are your most loyal, high-paying customers. You know, so I'd say test and learn with some of those things. Um, but, you know, certainly the safety element. There, there was one other trend we we skirted over earlier. Um, I think one thing that would be really interesting for your listeners to have a handle on is the as a general trend and this is going to keep on going down the number of people that will say you know i need to be well groomed that is dropping and it's dropping quite consistently over time interesting and so i think it's important because do we believe for an instant people actually want to be less well groomed of course not uh, i mean you only have to look at the sales of health and beauty products to to notice that and yes beauty is down in the current context because no one's leaving the house and you don't need to look that good for the dog. But, <laughs> um, you know, there overall, of course, we're going to continue to buy beauty products and we still want to, you know, we when we look good, we feel good too. So you know, we're not saying that. It's just that it's, it's either less of a primary motivation or for many in, uh, consumers, it's a change in social norm. And, um, you know, stating that is, you know, something that you want to own, is not necessarily as clever or as smarter, you know, as uh, you know, the smarter thing to do is to say, I want to feel good. And when I feel good, I will mm-hmm. look good. That, that's what's more socially acceptable. If you like, certainly for younger consumers, you don't want to admit that you've, well, maybe you do if you're some of the people on um, TikTok or Snapchat, but no offense to any of these channels, by the way, which are hugely valuable to your brand. But, um, you know, uh, the, instagram mounted stage that's taken three hours to get the perfect shot for yeah i can see um some customers absolutely shameless about wanting to do that but it's not really for most most uh people most people have kind of moved past that sort of world of performative perfection and into a, a rather more sustainable you know yeah i, I do want to look good of course but it's just not how i want to Push my self-image out as this is the this is the main thing for me. Uh, we did that for a while on mass. We've pulled back from it. So I would say, of course, tap into consumers' grooming needs. I mean, that is why they're going to you. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not fundamental. But I think talking to them in that language could alienate a lot of people. It'll be much more about the um, inner beauty than outer beauty, shall we say? For for, for I say the long the, the longer term.
0: So we're essentially looking at instilling confidence from within. It's less about how I look and more how I feel, which comes from this shift that you were saying. Where before coronavirus, you'd go in to get pampered. Now you're going in to be educated about and um, creating a morale boost for your customers. Now,
2: yeah, and maybe making them feel a little bit in more in control of their own destinies. Uh, I think is another sort of side benefit. To that. You almost sounded like you were working for Dove there, Killian, but you put it uh, extremely well. Uh, <laughs> I was
0: thinking the same thing. <laughs> I do voiceovers. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so then you were saying that um, kind of that shift has changed of how people, I suppose, their expectations from, I suppose, the beauty or the touch uh, from the pampering to. Um, the morale boost will say, but what about the actual salon environment? So we're becoming more health conscious in the sense of how we feel. What about health conscious in the sense of hygiene? Because we've seen the major shift in the salon. You go into salons now, some of them are essentially like every chair is put in a pod where you've got perspex all around you. Some staff either have masks or have full uh, face shields. and they're pretty much moving towards being completely contactless, right down to even pre-sending consultation forms. So people have the chance to fill that out on their own phone rather than sharing a device.
1: Pre-charging the cards as well.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I've seen a bit of that, yeah.
0: So do you think this is also going to be uh, an expectation moving forward? So like for some salons, it's pretty much fair to say they almost look like they're clinical walking into. It's Mm -hmm. like walking into a clinic. Is that going to be the norm or do you think that's just something we're going to overcome and then go back to going into an environment that we feel relaxed in?
2: I would have to say the latter. That's not something I can give you uh, the same level of certainty, which I've had on all the previous points because, you know, I've got a long Um, uh, trendset Mm -hmm. to look at for that and I can see that over time and you know there's just so much evidence at my fingertips for that this is obviously something that's very immediate but my experience I suppose in terms of studying humans which is kind of what I do all day every day is that that is definitely a um, an unwelcome barrier to overcome we need it right now because we feel so unsettled particularly older, more vulnerable consumers by the threat posed in the form of COVID-19. And I think right now we need to see everything that can be done to make that okay. But let's also be clear, I think the other reason that is happening is because um, uh, people are worried about getting shut down. Also, you know, the Mm -hmm. Irish Times is talking this morning about um, however many pubs are at, you know, threat of getting closed down again after, you know, one week of being open because, you know, they're not following the guidelines. So, you know, there's a little bit of um, push on that, too. And, you know, of course, consumers, that's important because consumers are listening to that. And that also sets their expectations. But inevitably, um that's not what consumers really want. They want a human touch. They want a, a, a relationship. They don't, they don't, they're not going into a clinic. They're not walking into a hospital, for instance, where the threat of infection will always be higher for a longer period of time. So I think, you know, um, as children return to school, um, as we are out shopping a little bit more, um, as um, the guidelines soften gently in different places, all of that will um, return to normal and, and just pull back bit by bit. Um, you know, it, it just can't be a pleasant experience. I think if that was to be the sustained experience, I think we'd end ourselves having having to service um, consumers remotely for, for, for so much longer. Mm-hmm. And I think to come on to um, another aspect of that, and I think one of the other bigger opportunities i suppose for the longer run um, that we haven't talked about is the piece around creativity so again that's a long-standing need it's very much in the top three of you know what people aspire to be they aspire to be creative um i think that for the immediate uh, um, uh, and again this isn't for all consumers it's probably more for younger consumers um one of the immediate ways to serve is to help people feel like uh they're getting creative tips from you um because it does a number of things it doesn't need to be done in person Um, you're hitting one of their sort of fundamental needs and it's much more um uh appealing to be able to say that you know you're working on your creativity than you're working on your eyeliner Um, you know it's it's you know it's it's part of an overall ambition that everybody can quite easily sign up to and feel good about talking about and um, also, it, it quite usefully follows a lot of what the platforms that you can communicate through are doing, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever. We showed some examples of that in the presentation, didn't we? You know, and, and I think genuinely it's it's, you know, people are inspired by that. And I think they when they come into salon, they want to see people who are also creative and creative in their looks and creative in how they talk to their customers about the right solution for them You know, all of that makes people feel special and different and, and really well looked after. So I think that's the thing that isn't going anywhere and that we can service right now, even when p- perhaps all the more important in an environment where you're greeting them with a face shield, you know, which is so dehumanizing, actually talking about the, you know, the creative side of, you know, what it feels like and what it does to our overall well-being. In fact, creativity makes us feel really good about ourselves. I think that's something that we can that we can use as a... A little bit of a lever to help us ease through this sort of current pain and obvious as you say real physical constraints um but also sensible investment in terms of just thinking about how you can talk to consumers in that way and market to consumers in that way and keep loyalty with consumers because they get a little podcast from you or they get a little tutorial or they get some nice really inspiring pictures that I don't know, matched up with their look that they've been trying to evolve for the last six months. uh, And it's tailored to them. You know, a lookbook, for instance, why not? All of that keeps you front of mind, keeps them feeling special. um, And that will stand you, I think, in very good stead. As the restrictions start to ease, you'll have permission to do more things with them when you can actually touch them again. Well, speaking
1: about creativity, and I want to touch back as well on something that you mentioned about, like, say, the diffusers, for instance, if you look at, say, other industries who've undergone, I guess, huge structural changes, just because something in the way that, you know, society decided the norm was going to be going forward happened, like, for instance, the retail industry with the the in-person experience, and now, like, transitioning, a lot of the retail um, outlets have had to create a special online experience as well for customers. If I even travel, if I if I think back at when I was younger, um, you know, I, I remember being advertised for like all inclusives and, and hotels and all that kind of stuff. Whereas now I'm being targeted for like backpacking adventures and, you mm-hmm. know, like just the, the really being connected to nature kind of thing. Is there anything that we can learn from huge structural changes in other industries that we could um apply creativity wise to the hair and beauty industry
2: that's a brilliant question Zoe. but i might need a few minutes to come back to you with an answer <laughs> <laughs> um i mean yeah i think there's a couple that i can think of so you referenced uh uh retail and travel and i think it's taken a long time actually for them to reap the benefits of this but one of the things they had to do early on was to look at virtual solutions um and so you know for the sake of argument modeling a look on yourself uh, remotely and in fact to a certain extent the beauty industry mostly on the supply side the big makeup brands have done this quite well um, and have, have had to do and i think those um things appeal to consumers a lot I think what they haven't wanted to do up to now is be bothered to invest too much time in it older consumers obviously don't want to play around with filters and things like that as well but even for younger consumers you know it's it's a playful thing it's not really something that they would have seen as a solution that they go to uh, in place of a physical experience but actually it has given rise to I suppose a number of different things better virtual solutions first of all more personalized um, uh, solutions um, and consistent communications. So, um, you know, you can, salons do that really well when you come in in person, you know, and I'm always impressed with how therapists and um, practitioners, you know, just, you know, remember everything about your personal life and make you feel so, you know, important in that one moment. I mean, that's really, really hard to recreate virtually, but actually doing it through, you know, Let's say my my own hairdresser, you know, she's incredibly um, uh, creative and invested and, you know, just so uh, brilliant at doing personalization in person. You know, if she'd sent me a little personal lookbook of, do you know what, maybe we've been talking about this look for a little while and I find these styles and I wondered whether these would be the ones that we could try the next time you come in. Not only would I love her even more although that's hard because i love her a lot um and when you're trying to deal with her like mine you know it's endless devotion we're talking about here um the challenge is big but um i'd probably forward that to a friend and say you know you really should go to this salon you know this, this is just amazing so i think that virtual uh world or that imagining that you're sort of stepping into that world of personalization because online is just let's face it it's a less good experience for for so many industries going the extra mile having to dig deep for that I think is a shift that other industries have had to make and I think um, uh, you know to a certain extent the front end of beauty has had a go at um, but I do think health and beauty here more more sustainably could and I suppose the other big big uh, infrastructural shift that I'm thinking about is um, how we pay for things So, you know, the whole world of loyalty has changed. The whole world of ownership has changed. Um, And of course, we've gone from, you know, big contract, big benefits with all the sort of bells and whistles, loyalty points. You know, very few industries can really command that any longer to more. Either pay as you go uh, and prove to me every time that you're worth it, which is really hard, or a subscription model. And yes, we do have subscription fatigue. But I do think that um, not enough salons or not enough industries think cleverly about how that could really work. So, for instance, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a a permanent thing, but I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, when I go into salon, you know, I do discover products that I end up buying because I don't see them easily elsewhere or I'm not thinking about them or whatever it may be. And it's an opportune moment to obviously make additional sales. Mm -hmm. Um, But those products, you know, I could get them on subscription. I'd pay probably a little bit less for them. I might mix and match a little bit more. um, And I'd have a guaranteed spend there as opposed to a, well, what if I don't come in this month or whatever it may be? And what if those subscriptions were run through the uh, retailer that I really trust, i.e. the salon, the people that are genuinely setting me up to consume those products in the first place, So I do think we're maybe missing a trick around things like that. Um, If the car industry um, has had to deal with this, where, you know, nobody wants to own a vehicle anymore, if they can help it, but car subscriptions are absolutely booming, you know, in the worst of circumstances, when faced with the greatest of challenges, making a shift to some of these virtual supply chains, essentially is what I'm saying, is a really good thing to think about. Um, And, you know, I and I recognize the challenge, you know, I know for a lot of salons, just basic CRM and making sure you're telling your customers to come for the uh, appointment and making sure they don't miss it is, you know, it can can be tough enough to keep on top of. But I honestly think that if you are in a position where you're recommending or you're selling ancillary services or even just your loyalty program of, you know, look, let's get the six week appointment in the diary. Um, and let's have, a, you know, sign you up to a subscription that you get 20 percent off on the site as part of that. No strings attached. Now, those are all mechanisms to keep people checking in, checking with your brand and not going somewhere else. And I think, yeah, I really think um, subscriptions are coming to get us in health and beauty. Somebody will do it if they haven't
0: already. I suppose we, like when we think of it like going to a gym, you just, you pay a monthly fee and then you kind of utilise it as many times or as little times as you want. Like I know membership programmes are big over in the US, so maybe then it is something that over this side of the world we need to start looking at having that, I suppose, fixed. It's also good for predictive revenue as well, isn't it? You can essentially predict how much revenue you're going to generate for the next year, so you've got your value of future appointments. Um, Yeah, that's actually a really good idea.
2: I mean, I've I've definitely been targeted for uh, both beauty brands and uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? But certainly the beauty example where essentially the proposition initially was, yeah, actually hair and beauty, in fact. So the initial proposition was, uh, you know, buy into this service and then there's automatic things that are set up. For instance, we notice you've bought this product twice should we put that on your uh, send you, ship it once every six months? Mm, Yeah. So I don't have to remember. So there's that side of it. The other side of it was um, you have been buying these um, types of products for curly hair. This is our new alternative. We really like it. You should try it. And if you want to try it in a bundle, um, you know, we'll give you X percent off. And that was a really good deal. So I tried it. And then, of course, what comes back is – you know, should we again uh, set that up as a recurring uh, product for you? At which point I was just Hang on a minute here, we're getting very overexcited. But that's not <laughs> the point. I, I consume cons- subscriptions everywhere. My box is a subscription. You know, it's everywhere in our media choices. Of course, has become default. We're so. What I'm basically saying is, I think we're before some consumers, and particularly older consumers, would have been very wary of a subscription thing, seeing it as quite pushy. Now, I think people think, oh, hang on a minute here. This is really quite convenient. And actually, it can be quite personalized to me, too. Uh, you know, this is helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at my parents and, you know, they now have yeah a whole set of new subscriptions set up because of COVID. So I do I do think there's margin in that. I do think we're missing a trick in that.
0: Imagine the upper hand that a salon has by being able to recommend other products based mm-hmm. on your consultation. Of course. It's not going, you bought this product, so here's similar ones. It's this is what you've, the information you've given me based on your consultation form. So every month I can recommend new treatments specific to that. So that's, that's definitely an absolute advantage.
2: I mean, your you're, you're hitting on something that's really important here as well, which I would say is the value of the consultation so, you know, how many consultations have you had where the questions are really functional? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when was your last appointment? What do you do this? You know, where is what are you unhappy with? Whatever it is. But like if we felt we had permission and I think some salons will, you know, if you were asking people about, you know, what they're what what uh, this happened to me actually in the past. Uh, there was a local salon um, that used to do this. They ask you, you know, what are they trying or what are you trying to? solve you know is it de-stress is it whatever how do you feel today um, you know can i give you a, uh, a a quick massage that is is it mood boosting or stress alleviating or whatever it may be um all those things that basically teach you about people's patterns how they feel they're um they're they're real they're real personal clues as to what um a you need to do on the day But B might want to return to you then with other recommendations, and that could be anything from another product in could be well being, could be something else, or it could be a piece of content. It could be you know what this podcast here about meditation, or it doesn't you know whatever it is, all of that will drive the bottom line because it just points them back to why you are so central to their lives, Um, and you know it might be that. Some salons, again, obviously this will depend on size and breadth and remit and so on, but the person that's front of house that's managing, you know, customers coming in, going out, you know, capturing little details like that, spending once a month checking in on what you're doing for customers, particularly your, you know, your most regular high value customers and doing, you know, something, uh, anything, it could be, you know, it could be a personal note through to a link that you send to a lot of people on, you know, through your uh, uh, CRM system, however light touch or more involved you want it to be. But there's just so many ways to do that and to touch in on that consultative, personalized connection. Mm -hmm. And so all the more important when, you know, as you say, the physical constraints are there.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. And also even just like thinking about the shift to remote work, a lot of people are now working from home and realizing that either they enjoy it or they don't necessarily see a need to go back into the office. And then you're missing that whole travel bit. So between, you know, going, leaving the office and going home, you have to have an appointment. It's easy to just go out and stop by. But um, there's a lot that's changing and even the the um, I suppose the dynamic of even booking an appointment and when you do it and, and, and what kind of area and stuff.
2: Yeah dynamic of booking the area is really important. I think the really other big thing that is, you know, it's what's the need, what you know, creating the need in the first place. So yes, everybody still needs to get their hair cut but there's loads of other things that they maybe don't need to do, or they might not even, it might not be that the need has gone away, but the frequency of the need has shifted. Mm -hmm. So creating a reason, I think really spending time thinking about that and communicating to people about that. um, Yeah, super important just to get us back on track. You know, I think once we're back on track, um, we can maybe move on to uh, some other things, but that real, you know, you know, I think we talked about those fundamental needs quite a lot before. You know, it's not it's not quite as focused on the convenience now. It's going to be a little bit more about looking after yourself or whatever the reason is or whatever we think it is for your local customers or your however your customer base pans out. And, you know, it, 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 you don't necessarily have to do it for every individual customer, of course. You could pick a reason that, you know, just works really well for your, I don't know, a new treatment that your salon particularly wants to try. It it doesn't really matter. Just as long as you give people a reason and, you know, it won't necessarily happen by itself in their heads.
1: Well, Maeve, I could continue this conversation for hours. You have such an interesting brain. <laughs> um, if people want to follow up with you or even, you know, I'm pretty sure you have a blog, uh, look at some of the articles that you have, how can they either, you know, connect with you on social media or, or with Foresight Factory um, or have a look at your your insights that you publish?
2: Well, uh, it's very kind of you to be nice about my brain, which is mostly confused and frenzied. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I try to hide that. Uh, it usually uh, catches up on me. Um, probably, uh, yeah, I mean, Foresight Factory is a website, co but also on LinkedIn. I post stuff on LinkedIn mostly. Um, and um they uh, grabbed me as one of their influencers a long time ago. And because I don't know if this is an Irish thing, you know, the guilt of like letting them down means that I actually have to go back and write the <laughs> articles and do what I told them I'd do whenever it was. I do, we you know, we do, I would put some of our... It's not really, it's absolutely not about me. It's, um, you know, when we've got nice new insights to share or some new theme work that we've done or trends that we've got, we, we always post some snippets on there. So there's always a bit of free stuff to glean from that. Um, so, yeah, look for me on, on LinkedIn. Um, and the other thing I suppose I would say is we're running a series of free webinars at the moment, actually. So if people want to know more about uh, consumer trends and shifts and things like sustainability, mobility, you know how to work on branding through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, my very clever colleagues are working on all of that right now. Um, so there, there is a series. Ping me a line over or LinkedIn, and I'll, I'll obviously get you along to that because those are completely free of charge and and just uh, us trying to get. I think everybody's scrabbling around for as much insight as they can get at the moment, um, and we get that. And uh, we've sort of re-engineered our editorial schedule to try and get. You know some of that inside out to to the wider world so that uh, people can get back on track. It's entirely self-serving. If they don't get back on track soon, we will have no clients. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> pretty important. Um, I joke, I joke. Um, it's been re- really lovely talking to you guys again. I hope it's been useful. And um, yeah, keep the questions coming.
0: No, it's been excellent, and we'll for sure link to those webinars because that sounds like something that would be of great resource for our listeners. So thanks so much for joining us, mave
2: Thank you both. Have a great. Rest of
0: your day. We know navigating the new normal isn't easy, and we want to help you reopen strong. That's why we've a variety of business resources updated regularly with information and content specific to your country.
1: Watch, read, and learn from other salon owners and business professionals. Keep up to date with government guidelines and information on available grants with the Back in Business with Forest resource page and reopening pack at forest.com forward slash C19. Don't forget all of our other free resources, including the Forest Academy Learning Portal, our Help Juice pages, the Forest blog and podcast, and our multiple on demand webinar recordings at forest.com forward slash resources. Back in
0: Business with Forest, getting ready for your safe, strong and successful salon reopening one step at a time. Now we're going to kick off the inside forest segment and we're going to start it with the forest academy courses so we still have the webinar recording of the reopening get your salon back in business course in that we have Rachel one of our online instructors talking about new salon forms and reopening policies enabling your online bookings automating your salon communication, and setting up a safe and assuring salon messaging. I highly recommend checking out that webinar for anyone that is still going through the reopening phases. The next Forest Academy course we have is a brand new course, only just gone live, and it's reports tracking your salon success. So this course is only about 20 minutes long, and the course will help you understand what your business numbers are telling you. You'll monitor your salon's health with our key daily business and feature reports, You'll learn how to automate sending daily, weekly and monthly reports to you and key players in your team. And finally, it'll show you how to plan out your salon success journey more effectively with our key salon reports. So for anyone that loves numbers or hates numbers, this is actually designed for both. So this course helps you break it down by offering key salon reports and shows you each and every step of it. And then the next course, which is, I feel like saying an old course at this stage, but it's only actually out a month, is the scheduling staff rosters. So that is based off the new staff rosters feature. If you haven't used that feature yet, your screen probably looks completely different. So I recommend checking out that course. It's only a 15 minute self-taught one and it'll get you up to speed with that new feature within just a few minutes. As always, if you have any queries or need help accessing the courses, please email forestacademy at forest.com.
1: And on the product side of things, I guess, uh, without spoiling the next Inside Forest episode that we'll have uh, at the end of July, your new prepare and protect tool is ready. So you can pre-send for Forest clients, you can pre-send consultation forms and disclaimers to clients, uh, get all the information you need to prepare for their appointment before they arrive in your salon. This is done by using Forest Go on your tablet, your phone, you send the form to any device at any time, and then you let your relevant team member review and accept on their own phone. It couldn't be easier or safer, which was, of course, one of the big uh, concerns and trends that we were talking about earlier. So other benefits include integrated client records, um, consult and confirm pre-appointment. It's clean, it's safe, it's hygienic. Uh, you can protect your salon staff and clients in terms of you know um, addressing all the risks and stuff. Uh, and then of course it's also GDPR compliant, which means you know all forms are safe and secure. Uh, so if you have any questions, you're your Forest client, uh, we have a link in today's episode's show notes that you can get all your information on or if you're interested in this feature or learning more about Force Salon software as a whole you can request a demo or find out more about the pre-send consultation forms on our website. One last thing before we sign off uh, don't forget to head over to force.com forward slash FM and subscribe to the show's email newsletter which will enable you to get all the updates and the guests downloadable content and resources delivered straight to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. That's where you'll also find uh, the link to the webinar series that Maeve was just talking about earlier um, and so on that note that's all we got for this week and as always if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically if you're a salon in uh, Ireland or the UK and you're going through reopening and want to share your story with us please send us an email at forestfm@forest.com. at forest.com. we're planning an upcoming episode on looking at how the reopening has gone uh, in those two countries otherwise you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. we'd love to hear from you all of your suggestions and feedback really help us tailor the episode And the content to what's needed right now in the industry. Otherwise, stay safe and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the salon owners podcast is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more and generating referrals. Let's grow.